Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. I do want to um, just, uh, I, have, I can't pass up the opportunity to, to say how much I appreciate our leaders. Most of them are away at the conference tonight, but we are so blessed with great leaders, with with people that are uh, humble and approachable, but they're powerful and anointed. They, they preach us the word, they lead us, and then on top of that, we, they bring in some great uh, speakers for us. Why wasn't uh, Raymond Woodward amazing over the weekend? <coughs> I was able to use a little bit of that teaching already uh, this week. I was trying to take a picture of that, that chart that he had up there and he kept putting those little pop-ups in my way, but I got enough of it. But <laughs> today I was trying to uh, hook up a new printer, and wow, it just wasn't going right. You know, uh, I guess I was showing my age, but uh, IT is not one of my strengths. But I was kind of frustrated. You know, I needed to work on my sermon a little bit. I was trying to print some stuff, and I didn't know if I needed to try to get the printer going or just go do something else to try to get my stuff printed. And along the way, I'm like, wow, you know, this is kind of intense here. And I, I was thinking through it, said, the devil didn't do this. This is not a temptation. Uh, I didn't do this. I'm old. I'm not supposed to know IT. Um, nobody else is here, and nobody else could have messed it up. So this is just a trial. So I said, "Praise God! I'm going to rejoice." And, but I did get the uh, I did get my stuff done. So thank God. So I want to um, speak just for a moment, and hopefully, um, I believe that God has spoken to me, and I hope I can bring something that will benefit you. So let me just say a prayer, and then we will um, we'll jump in here. Dear God, thank you for this gathering tonight. Thank you for bringing us into the house, for letting us feel your presence already. What a, a privilege and a pleasure to worship you and praise you. And then you return by coming down and letting us feel your spirit and comforting our hearts, helping us to work with the issues in our lives this week. Right now we go to the word, God. We seek your wisdom. We seek your will. And we we are ready for you to challenge us with your word. God, anoint me as I try to speak to your children. Help me to give them the word that you gave me. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Taylor. So last weekend, Donovan presented his vision for 2020 that God gave he and Valerie uh, and we, we know for many years they have taken time to seek new vision for our church every year and how special that is to me. But Donovan presented the vision uh, just a couple of weeks ago and he preached a powerful sermon on dare to dream. And so this entire year at LifePoint, we are going to be focusing on dreaming. How exciting. I feel sure that after Donovan's message last week and certainly while you've been praying and fasting, you've begun to dream. I know you wouldn't let a challenge like that pass you by, but I've titled my sermon tonight in the form of a question. What are you dreaming about? So I just want to challenge you to do some more dreaming. I hope you've caught that vision and you're starting to dream, but... I want to just issue a new challenge to you tonight. So let's get started with some, some basics. Um, so 
I just like to see, you know, okay, what is a dream? So I went to the dictionary, and a dream is a series of thoughts, images, and sensations occurring in a person's mind during sleep. And another definition of dream is a cherished aspiration, ambition, or ideal. So I ask you tonight, and, and we'll get into a little bit more of the, the dreaming while you're awake or while you're asleep in a little bit, but, um, you know, I ask you tonight, what is it? I like that second definition, a cherished aspiration, ambition, or ideal. So I ask you, what is it that you aspire to be? What do you aspire to do? What do you aspire to see God do in your life? So let's look at the scripture. The Bible says in the Old Testament first, uh, Joel 2 and verse 28, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Not to stop there, we go to the New Testament. Uh, Acts 2 and 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now, I do not want to be in the position tonight of, placing you in one of these categories. So I'm going to leave it entirely up to you. You can see visions or you can dream dreams. So in my entire sermon tonight, I'm not going to show any bias here. So when I say dream, I'm talking about dream and I'm talking about vision, okay? So you can just jump into any category you like there. But the Bible is very clear on this as we just saw. And Donovan and Valerie have been, that God has spoken to them about dreams. So I think it's very clear that God is leading us. And tonight my assignment is to challenge you to dream dreams, to challenge you to pursue visions. I'm here to recruit dreamers. And frankly, I do not want you to dream small dreams. That's no fun. I want you to dream huge dreams. Brother Dave, you want to join me in that? Just in case any of you are not with me yet and you need a little more prodding, the Bible also addresses non-dreamers. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. I don't see a long line for people doing that. Donovan and Valerie believe that if you accept this challenge, you will see amazing things in your life in 2020. You can reach a new level in ministry, and God will use you in a special way. And you might say, okay, well, that didn't hit me so far. I'm not a minister, so I'll keep listening. Maybe I can find something I can dream about. Well, actually, we know that everyone that is a Christian has a ministry. If you are Christ-like, then you are ministering. So you may be a beginner and you still have a lot of growing to do in your ministry, but you have a ministry. But I'm just throwing out some things here in the, in the early part of, of my sermon to, to let you start thinking. I'm throwing out some ideas about you getting some dreams for 2020. So maybe if you don't have a ministry yet, maybe you want to join the, the uh, Discover Life. Maybe you want to join the Serve Team. Maybe you want to step up to the next level. Maybe you want to become a bringer and bring people to church or lead a group. Aaron Cox 
has done such a great job in, in speaking to us many times over the last couple of years, and he told us he didn't think that he could speak at all. He didn't like public speaking, and he sure didn't want to preach, but all of a sudden, he's a great preacher. So I think God will speak to us and give us some dreams if we just give him a little space to do that. But your family can be blessed, and your children can move toward God in 2020. You can experience financial breakthroughs and enjoy the blessings that God has planned for you. And, you know, Jeremiah 29 and 11, very clear. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You can move to the next level on your job, or some of you might move to a different company, or maybe some of you move to a completely different field in 2020. Your family may get a home in 2020, or maybe a larger home that will give everyone their own space, or maybe better transportation, another car or truck, maybe more reliable, more efficient, or maybe just cooler. That's more fun to drive. Just some ideas in case anybody needs something to dream about. But we are not seeking to become rich. We're not seeking to have better clothes than anybody else. We're not seeking to have bigger houses than anyone else. But we just like reading the word and see what it says. In Matthew 6, 33, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I mean, most people desire to have a home for their family, have a bigger home for their family, have a cooler car. That's just kind of, that's the desires of some people's heart. Since I've been working on this sermon, and I see Brian smiling back there, there's always a little bit better truck and a little bit faster car down the road there. <laughs> Since I have been working on this sermon, I've noticed that Blessings and miracles come to me while I am doing God's work, while I am living life in accordance with his will and when I am going about following his plan as close as I can. While I was walking in Home Depot earlier this week, I'm trying to fasting, I'm doing, trying to do what God wants me to do. I get a voice message, I finish in Home Depot, I go outside, I listen to my voice message, boom. Miracle. I've been waiting on this for a long, long time. I thought this miracle was going to come to pass about a year and a half ago, and then I was afraid it wasn't ever going to happen, and boom, just doing what God wants me to do, and there it is. While I was in another meeting trying to encourage someone, Phyllis and I, and I get another voice message. When I leave there, listen to my voice message, boom, another miracle. As we pursue God's will, you all are here on Wednesday night, Pastor would say. Wow, you know we have church on Wednesday night. God moves and he provides. You can break free from addictions in 2020 and live the life of freedom and peace that God has planned for you. You can be blessed in your relationship with your spouse, with your children, and other members of your family. Some of you don't have a family yet. You don't have a spouse yet, but you want a family and you want a spouse. God knows right now who your boyfriend is. He knows who your girlfriend will be. He knows who your wife and your husband will be. Are you dreaming? I'm just keeping it real here. 
You can be healed in your body and mind and have the peace that God has planned for you. Another version of Jeremiah 29 11 that we referred to a moment ago says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. If there's torment in your mind, if there's confusion, if there's anxiety, it doesn't have to be. You can dream, and that can leave this year, early this year. So for the next few minutes, if you will allow me to, I want to talk about some dreamers. For those of you listening on the podcast, we'd have to have a water break occasionally. (laughs) Michael was a dreamer. Michael grew up in the South. His mother played the organ and sang in the church choir. Some of you would find it significant that he was a middle child. Around age six, Michael and his best friend started school. But Michael's friend came from a rich family, and Michael wasn't able to attend the same school that his friend attended. Michael's family was looked down on in their town, and sometimes Michael believed that his family wasn't as good as other families. Over time, this seriously affected Michael, and while suffering with depression when he was young, he once jumped out of a second-story window attempting to harm himself. But growing up, Michael delivered newspapers, and he was zealous. He became a delivery manager for the local newspaper at an early age. And realizing the impact of the newspapers that he was delivering, Michael aspired to become a speaker and influence people. Michael was smart, and even though he didn't get to attend the same school that his friend attended, he got a good education. He studied hard. He obtained a college degree and then a a PhD, and he could never get away from the way that his family was treated. And Michael was passionate about changing that. Unfortunately, Michael was only able to pursue his passion for 13 years because he died suddenly at age 39. Yet he made such an impact during that short period of time that his story is still fairly well known 50 years after his death. The entire United States actually celebrated Michael's life recently, and some of us got a day off work for it. You see, we know Michael as Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. The reason we know Dr. King and the reason the entire country is still celebrating his life 52 years after his death is because he was was a dreamer. Really, all I needed to say tonight was four words, and probably everyone in this building would have known who I was talking about. You see, while he was growing up, Martin Luther's family was looked down on because they were African-American. As a boy, his father was not respected, and he was talked down to when they went to town. Once they were in a store, and they were told to wait in the rear of the store while others were served, and they would be waited on later on. On a bus ride, Martin Luther was asked to stand up so that other people could sit down. This so impacted Martin Luther that he made it his goal in life to change the way his family and others were treated. He began to dream about a day when African Americans would be treated respectfully and people of all races would be viewed equally and not be looked down on because of the color of their skin or 
who their family was. Martin's father actually was a dreamer also. He began dreaming before Martin was born. That's the reason that Martin began dreaming. And Martin's father actually pursued civil rights action before Martin Luther King Jr. did. His father studied about other reformers, and he actually traveled to see their work. And Martin Sr. was so moved by the church leader, Martin Luther, who lived 450 years earlier, that Sr. decided to change his name from Michael King to Martin Luther King. So when father changed his name to Martin Luther, Jr. changed his name to Martin Luther King, Jr. But Martin began to make speeches and advocate for equal rights every chance that he had. And one such speech was delivered in Washington, D.C., August 28, 1963. It was that speech in which he went into great detail and expressed to a huge crowd that day that he had dreamed uh, that the world would be a different place for him and his family and all people that had been treated unfairly. And Martin was so powerful in delivering that message and advocating continuously for equal rights wherever he was that thousands of others caught the vision. And they soon became dreamers. And there was a huge movement of dreamers. The rest is history. Martin Luther King was actually allowed to witness the Civil Rights Act, July 2nd, 1964. And he was given one of the pens that President Lyndon Johnson used to sign the Civil Rights Act into law. This past Monday, January 20, 2020, just like the third Monday in January every year, we celebrated the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Tonight, I hope you are challenged to dream. I hope you look forward to the day that your family and friends will celebrate with you on the anniversary of your dreams coming true. You think I'm getting a little too zealous or too anxious about this? Well, at the Butler House, there are several days that we celebrate every year. And it's quite frequent that my wife or I say, well, it was about this time, about three years ago, that this happened to us. Or about 25 years ago this month, this happened to us. God's fulfilled a lot of dreams for us. We don't forget about those. We can't forget about those. They are far too big. I'm challenging you to dream, and I want you to have dreams fulfilled that you want to celebrate going into the future. Our next dreamer is Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul of New Testament fame was also a dreamer. Interestingly, the early account of Paul in Acts 9 tells of him persecuting Christians. In Acts 7, Stephen is on trial and falsely accused in connection with his preaching, and he's then given the opportunity to speak, and he preaches a brilliant message for 53 verses. I'm, I'm so intrigued by this, and I don't want to go into it all um, tonight. I'm seeing that our time is passing, but you might want to just make a note. I'm, I'm looking tonight at Acts 7, 8, and 9, but in Acts 7, <coughs> actually for the first 53 verses, Stephen 
is given the opportunity to speak. Stephen is, is being persecuted for preaching about Jesus. This is in the very early days of the church, and Stephen was actually one of the first ones that were, he was the first martyr um, for preaching about the gospel. And so for 53 verses, amazing sermon that Stephen preaches. He goes back and he talks about the call of Abraham. It, it's so interesting uh, as we sometimes study on Wednesday nights, we study about the Old Testament for a few weeks and we study about the New Testament. It's so exciting to me when I look at the New Testament here in the middle of Acts and, and these preachers, the only thing they had then was the Old Testament. And so they're just preaching away and they're quoting and, and telling sermon after sermon from the Old Testament. So he's talking about the call of Abraham, the patriarchs in Egypt. God delivers Israel from Moses. Israel rebels against God. He keeps preaching for 53 verses. And then in verse 54, I will read um, a few verses here. This is chapter 7 and verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So even while, let me read it a little bit more. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Look, Lord, Jesus received my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Wow. What a testimony of a way to respond when you're being persecuted and attacked for preaching the good news. Saul, our second dreamer that I'm talking about here, is Apostle Paul. Now we read where when Stephen is being martyred, Saul was there. And then if we keep going just a bit further in chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Now Saul <coughs> was consenting to his death, that being Stephen. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial. And made a great lamentation over him. As for Saul, who was consenting to that death, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. This is the Paul that we've heard about was a great preacher and a powerful guy. Doesn't sound like the same guy, does it? If we move over to chapter 9, I would like to read... Um, Three verses. Thanks for bearing with me as we go through a few scriptures here. In Acts 9, verse 1 through 3, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found anyone who were on their way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Wow. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And most of us know uh, the details and, and what happened after Paul was struck while he was on the road to Damascus, and the, and the bright light came down. Paul was blinded from that, and he was blind for three days. They picked him up and led him 
uh, into the nearby town, and he was blind. And interestingly, Paul fasted for the next three days while he was blind. Some of you are fasting. Um, you can relate to him. But amazingly, God sent Ananias to speak to Paul. Paul received his sight, and he also received a vision. Ananias told him that God had showed a vision to Ananias to tell Paul that what he was supposed to do, he was supposed to go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ rather than tormenting and martyring people for doing that. What a change. So there's several scriptures that speak of Paul's dreams and the visions that he had, but there's one in particular that I want to refer to. In Acts 16 and verse 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So these two verses here, sorry, I went into a lot of detail there. Paul was a dreamer. And these two verses right here where Paul saw the vision of the man from Macedonia said, come over to preach to us. Paul, God had Paul's attention then. Paul, uh, God has to use interesting circumstances to get our attention sometimes. I try to listen as close as I can so I don't have to go into quite that detail of God getting my attention. But these two verses pretty well sum up the rest of Paul's life. He accepted the dream that God placed in his heart to evangelize his world, and he would not be stopped by anything. So most of you know the, the big picture here. Paul made three missionary journeys. He crisscrossed the region, his entire region of the world, where he learned, where he lived. But we learn one other thing from Paul before we move on here. The devil doesn't like dreamers. Actually, the devil hates dreamers. And the devil will do anything he can to stop a dreamer and to get rid of a dreamer. He was so happy when Paul was martyring Christians. When Paul became a dreamer and he dreamed about bringing the good news to the world, the devil didn't like that. Paul was shipwrecked and only a miracle of God saved his life. Paul was also imprisoned on many occasions and authorities did everything they could to shut Paul up. Paul literally spent years in prison, yet he would not be stopped. Paul would routinely convert his guards rather than giving up on his dream or taking a break while he was in prison. You would think, well, maybe I can't do anything in here. I'll just finally rest for a while. No, Paul took that as an opportunity for him to win over his guards and the officers and influence the political system and the people that were around him. And it was, it was so common that Paul would convert his guards that they had to change his guards out about every two hours to keep that from happening. Paul was a powerful, he, he had a dream, didn't he? That's, that's the kind of dream I'm talking about tonight. But despite everything that Paul went through, he is regarded as probably the most influential person in the New Testament. Over half of the book of Acts involves Paul. As I studied this, I'm like, Really? Read the book of Acts. This man's all over it. In fact, almost half of the New Testament was written by Paul or written about him. Most of the teachings that we use today in studying evangelism, discipleship, they came from Paul. History tells us Paul was of very small stature. 
he had a pale countenance. He was a bit bent over, and he had crooked legs and a hooked nose. I didn't make this stuff up. He was a tent maker by trade. But we see he was a dreamer. And he trusted God to see his dream come true. His name was Saul. Remember over here we saw that Saul was consenting to it. But after that experience God, when, when that, that Paul had, when the light shone on him and he came in touch with what God wanted him to do, he changed his name from Saul. And after being struck, he wanted to be called Paul. Everywhere we see him referred to after that, they called him Paul. He realized that he was a new person with new dreams, and he didn't want his past or any obstacle to get in his way. The rest is history. You and I are here talking about Paul, following his teachings, digging in as deep as we can get into this 2,000 years later. Paul was a dreamer. I'm, talking, I'm, I'm trying to recruit dreamers tonight. I'm sorry, I, I think I might have got a little bit too deep in the weeds. I hope I didn't lose any dreamers along the way. We still have some candidates for dreaming in the house. One more dreamer that I want to speak about and <coughs> will give my personal reference. Anthony is a dreamer. I just want to bring this a little bit closer home. I know you appreciate Martin Luther King. He died in 1968, I believe. Paul died 2,000 years ago. The world's still different this very hour because of what they did, but I just kind of like to bring it a little bit closer home. And as I was preparing this, I thought God was moving me in this direction. So forgive me for just making this a little bit personal. I'm also a dreamer, and many of you have heard different chapters about my life as I speak about that occasionally. But God has given me many dreams, and he has been very faithful to fulfill each one of those dreams. I grew up in Vidalia, a town of 7,000 people when I was there and shrinking. It's a lot less now. They say Vidalia is a good place to be from. But I came to LSU in 1983 and studied agribusiness. My wife didn't have any idea what I was going to be preaching about tonight, so she's probably going into shock along the way somewhere here. But I came here in 1983, and I studied agribusiness, and I went to work for the land bank. I became an appraiser and then a loan officer and was trying to work my way up the ladder there. By the time I reached assistant vice president, it was a very difficult time for the land bank. We primarily made loans on larger tracts of farmland, but the economy in the mid-'80s, I know most of y'all weren't around then, lucky you, but unfortunately I was, it was very bad. The value of farmland went down significantly, and we found that farmers owed more on their loans than their land was worth. They weren't making any money on this land. They couldn't pay their notes. Nobody was here to buy this land, so the value just went down, down, down. We wound up with huge loans on these farms. and So rather than making loans like I was trained to do and like I aspired to do in trying to climb the ladder there, we actually just turned into a collection group. And so we started collecting people's loans. We didn't make any more loans, and we were dealing with reorganizations, reamortizations, and foreclosures, and bankruptcies. And so this resulted in me spending a lot of time with 
attorneys on foreclosures and in bankruptcy court, and I was frankly pretty intrigued with the legal field. And one day while I was at home, I was listening to the radio, and I bet somebody's going to say, you know, why is he telling us all this? This is just trivia about his life. It's trivia about my life. It's kind of important to me. If God gives you a dream, it'll be pretty important to you, too. So one day while I was at home, I was listening to the radio. Sorry, this is trivia to you. It's important to me. I was just walking through my house, through the kitchen, and I remember just walking through the, the living room, through the, uh, actually through the, the kitchen and in front of the refrigerator. And uh, at the time, there was a guy on the radio named Paul Harvey. Some of y'all might have heard of him before. Donovan, he and I were around then, and he told you a little bit about Paul Harvey the other day, but Paul Harvey News was on. So Paul Harvey basically said, okay, for this year, whatever, 1980-something, the number one uh, career and the number one graduates, the people getting the jobs the quickest or whatever is attorney. And he said, you know, the top three or four is whatever, and this is their starting salaries. And I said, that's pretty interesting. You know, I'm here. I wanted to make loans, and we couldn't do that anymore. I was just dealing with all these lawyers all the time. That's pretty interesting. So I kept moving along, and actually our daughter was three at the time. And I remember one day as we were um, as, as we were driving around, Brendan was just uh, um, some long-distance planning at that time. But... Phyllis and I and our little three-year-old were driving around in our car that day sometime after I had heard that radio news from Paul Harvey, but somehow the conversation got around to, what would you do if you had a million bucks? <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> don't, don't anybody get upset. I didn't want a million bucks. <coughs> but Brittany at three wasn't able to contribute to that discussion, but... Phyllis and I were entertaining ourselves what we would do. And I said, you know, I think if I won a million bucks, I believe I would go to law school. You know, I would, that would, might give me a better chance that I could always find some work and support us and provide for us. And I'd like to do that. But not long after that, as things continued to get worse at the land bank, I thought seriously about going back to school and studying something else, getting another degree, doing something else, since the land bank was in such bad shape um, it just generally wasn't a good field to be in at that time and then one night Phyllis and I were on a short road trip she, she definitely didn't know I was going to be talking about this we were on a short so it's kind of like a pastor has to be careful what Valerie's going to say that, that's kind of happens when you're preaching at life point so we were on this short road trip to Jackson Mississippi we were, we were pretty young at the time my daughter was just three but Phyllis's sister and her fiance, I guess, at the time, were, were driving, and Phyllis and I were sitting in the back seat. Some more interesting trivia, okay? But to me, it's interesting. We were going on a little road trip up to Jackson, Mississippi for some concert. And frankly, on that trip, I'm just thinking about, wow, I'm trying to make a career. I'm trying to make a living. Um, things are not going good. The bank's going down. I don't know how long I'm going to have a job. I don't know what's going on. I need to do something. I need to go find something that's going to work. You know, I just... Some of you talk to me about situations that you're in, and I kind of know how that feels. And so I'm just thinking about that, and, and I just kind of decided that night, I think I'm going to go to law school. And so short of it is, before we, um, before we got out of that car coming back home, I just told Phyllis, I said, I think I'm going to go to law school. I, I decided that's what I'm going to do. But to make a, a long story very short, this was a pretty difficult sell 
to my wife and her family. And let me just pause to say, those around you, we're talking about dreaming. We're talking about your dreams. This is not about me. This is not about my career. I'm talking about dreaming tonight. But I just have to tell you, the people around you, even pretty close to you, they won't be nearly as excited about your dream as you are. Our daughter was three at the time. We were just thinking about Brennan. Been working for five years, making good progress in my career. We had purchased a home and a car, and we owed a lot of money. The interest rate on our home was around 11 or 12%. So you millennials, y'all have to listen close. You might need to take some notes. 11 or 12% was the interest rate on our home. And then that was only because we assumed the loan and back in the day, if you could assume somebody's loan and you could keep their interest rate as compared to getting a new rate, the actual rate then was 14%. Wow. And some of you still don't believe me. Go ahead and Google it when you get home. It got up to 18%. At that time when we bought the home, it was 14%. We owed a lot of money, and times were really tough. But my wife kindly agreed for me to return to school, and she took on a second job to save money so that we could eat and pay our bills for the first year of law school when I would not be able to work. So it was a little bit better after my wife caught the vision. But most of the people around me still didn't catch the vision. And when people, I remember specifically, some family members came from out of town and you know they came around and said, hmm, I heard you're going to try the law now, huh? I said, yeah. When, when people come and try to take my dreams away, it's not, I don't like it. You know, in, inside, I was saying, no, I'm not going to try the law. I have a dream. I'm going to see my dream through. Don't let anybody take your dream away from you. But God was with us that during that time and provided for us every step. I was blessed to be. And I know we have quite a few law students and aspiring law students here, so they don't think all this is just trivia. I was blessed to be admitted to law school. And very blessed not to be one of the one-third of the class that was flunked out that first year. But God continued to provide for us over the, the last 28 years in, that I've been blessed to, to practice law. But, yeah, uh, so it takes a long time to do that. There's, these lawyers here know, but it's like from the time you get admitted, it's still one year until you start the school. So I was still working at the land bank trying to keep the bills paid during that time. And, oh, yeah, they came in on Friday afternoon. The regulators came in. They circled the building. They all came in at 5 o'clock, and they closed the bank down. First time ever, they shut the bank down, closed it. It is no more. It, they started a new bank later. That one's no more. God just has a way of putting dreams in our heart and leading us where we need to go. Sometimes we don't understand why he's doing that, but he knows what's around the corner already. But I tell you all this tonight because I know that when God puts a dream in your heart, you can believe it. You can accept it. And please, don't let anyone talk you out of your dream or take it away from you. Even if it sounds too good to be true, I want you to claim that dream. I want you to own it. I want you to see it through. So I'm closing now. If you would, everyone stand and, and come down to the front. Um, and if our musicians would be so kind to come back, I want to just... Um, to invite you um, to join in, and let's do a little bit of dreaming as we get close tonight.
I would like for each of you to spend just a few minutes doing some dreaming about what God will do in your life in 2020. Now, some of you have things that you've been dreaming about for a long time, for years. We're all close here. I tell many of you about my dreams. You tell me about your dreams. So I know we have a lot of dreams that we've got in play, and we're working on them. We're trying to believe for them. We're kind of wondering how they're working out. But some of you have dreams that you've been dreaming about for a long time. Others have <coughs> dreams that may have crossed your mind since you've been praying and fasting or possibly tonight. But if I do my part and dare to dream, that's where we are in 2020, God may go with me. I believe somebody here has decided if I really do take pastor's challenge and I dare to dream, it's a chance that God's going to go with me. These other people saw their dreams come through. It's a chance that I can see my dream come true this year. One year ago, I preached here while many of our leaders were away at this leadership conference where many of our leaders are tonight. And my sermon that night, I, 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 after you indulged me for a long time, then you were kind enough to come to the front and join me in some worship and some consecration. And I challenged you. My, my sermon title that night was, The Year Was 2019. And <coughs> I tried my best to convince you that things could happen in your life in 2019 if you pursued your dreams zealously you gave God the opportunity to move and many of you took me seriously that night many of you were standing very close to where you are tonight and I'm just thankful to say those of you that dared to go after what we were talking about last year you've been blessed this year there's a long line of things we could talk about tonight that has happened since last year when we stood in this place one year ago Several of you, I'm sorry, please just give me a couple more minutes here. Somebody might catch the vision tonight and dream a dream. Several of you are living in homes tonight when you didn't have a home last year. Several people have gotten new homes this year. We could go down the list, and you're using those homes. Some of you are about to get homes. Wow. This is special to me. You're using those homes to host groups and to minister. Several of you have ministries. You're serving when you weren't serving last year. Several of you are working in new positions. There are those among us that have become debt-free since last year. I'm speaking facts tonight. Several of you have made significant progress in your education, completing long, difficult curricula, and some more of you are positioned to complete your educations very soon. Congratulations. I'm so proud of you. Keep dreaming. You are, you are almost there. Several of the people in our congregation have written books this year. Yes. Two people have completed books since we stood here last year. Greg Phillips and Donovan. Wow. Some of you have seen huge progress in your family since last year. Some of you have launched new businesses since last year and they are taking hold and they're about to grow 
in 2019, I was blessed to see one of my longtime dreams come to pass. And short of it is, I've talked enough about me, but I had dreamed about moving from a different into a different practice and planned for it. And God saw me through in March. I resigned from corporate practice, and now I handle select cases on a much more manageable basis. That's a miracle. That's a dream that God fulfilled for me. I was presented an opportunity this year in, in, the, in the past 12 months to represent a very nice family in a legal matter. It turned out to be one of the most rewarding cases I've ever had in my career. Not long after I left corporate practice, an old friend called me up for a 60-day assignment. As soon as that was over, another opportunity. I, I'm sorry, this is not about Anthony tonight. Anthony's a dreamer. This is not about me. I, if I can do anything to cause you to dream tonight, I hope you'll... I hope you'll just bear with me just for a moment. Phyllis and I talked for, uh, about a way that I could get back into the agriculture field from when I was doing that. And we looked around for some opportunities, didn't see any. Out of the blue. You know, it's funny that sometimes people say out of the blue. Out of the blue, that's up, isn't it? I believe that means it comes. I just realized that means it comes from heaven. Out of, out of the blue, I got a call, and someone offered for me to serve on a board in the agriculture field. And, and I'm just telling you what happens when you're not good. On your own, I'm not tall, I'm not handsome, I'm not very smart, but I'm blessed. For many years, I dreamed about doing a century ride on my bike. I completed a 104-mile item a bike ride this year and checked that off my list. That's not important, is it? But I'm challenging somebody to dream. One of the other exciting things that happened, I'm closing now. In 2019, for me, July 7th, on about the fourth pew right there, one of our good brothers came up to me and told me right after service on a Sunday morning that God had given him a word for me. And he went into fairly significant detail about something that God had in store for me. That was special. I went home. I wrote it down in detail. At lunch, I told my family about it. I told God about it. I've been talking about it every day since then. I have seen the hand of God moving in a huge way. As of tonight, I have not seen that dream completely fulfilled, but God is moving in unmistakable ways, and I know I am this close to seeing that dream fulfilled. And frankly, I caught a glimpse and, and saw some more development in that dream in the past week since I have been working on that dream, but I'm really closing now. Every day when I get up, I say, God, it didn't happen yesterday, so I believe that means it's going to happen today. And sometimes I set an alarm on my iPhone for 8 o'clock, and at 8 o'clock I check to see if it's happened yet. I said, but God, it didn't happen yet, so it must be going to happen before 9. And I set another alarm. Perhaps someone here tonight thinks I'm a little extreme. And you're probably right. I'm not about being average. Anybody can be average. I don't think pastor, his challenge didn't say anything about being average. He said dare to dream. So in closing, I'm really closing. He told us just a couple weeks ago, and I just repeat, priceless. He said, Beethoven once said, to play an incorrect note is insignificant. To play without passion is inexcusable. I'm just asking you, please don't walk out of this building tonight without a dream. Please don't play without passion. So 
as we enter into some praise, I just want to give you just a few minutes. I've, I've been kind of late here. I'm sorry about that. But I just want to encourage you, spend a couple of minutes dreaming. And maybe you just want to pick out the biggest dream that you have. And I'm just asking you to speak it out. We're going we're gonna to enter some praise. I want you to speak it out. Maybe if there's anybody else that's zealous in the house, I believe there is. Somebody might want to shout it out. If you just want to take a walk around here, if you don't want your neighbor to hear it, maybe you can just walk to that back corner and shout it out. When you get home, I want you to write it out. Because I know you're going to live it out. For those of you that dare to dream, 2020 is going to be huge. Thank you for your time tonight. Let's dedicate those dreams to God and claim them right now. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.